Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading the book In My Father's House by Corey Timboom with permission of Light Trails Publishing Company and the Timboom Foundation. We are on Chapter 14, Even the Least of These. In addition to the work in the business, the club work, and the care of our children, I continued with the Bible lessons in the schools. One of these classes was for children who had learning difficulties. It was such a joy to know that the Lord doesn't need a high IQ in a person in order to reveal himself. In fact, people of normal or superior intelligence, likewise, need the help of the Holy Spirit to understand the spiritual truths, which are only spiritually discerned. God gave me a great love for the exceptional children. I remember going to those schools and telling Bible stories and being rewarded when their faces lit up with a sweet, simple happiness. Sometimes I asked them questions to see if they understood what I told them. Once, a feeble-minded girl answered a question of mine, which might have baffled a person of normal intelligence. I asked, what is a prophet and what is a priest? She said, they are both messengers between God and man. I continued, then they are the same, a prophet and a priest? She thought a while and then answered, no, a prophet has his back to God and his face to us, and a priest has his face to God and his back to us. I wasn't sure if she had learned that by heart, so I asked her, Well, what was I today? She said, You were both. You told us about God, and you were a prophet. And then you prayed. You didn't pray for yourself, but you prayed for us. Then you were a priest. That was a backward child who answered that in that manner. When you bring the gospel, it is the Holy Spirit who works. I tried to teach these children other things with much less success. One time I started to instruct them about the stars. I brought some white beans to school and laid them on the table in the form of the constellations. I showed them Orion, and they looked at the formation of the beans, and all of them knew it very well. Then one evening I took them outside and said, Look, children, there's Orion. See it? They just shook their heads. No, Tante Cory, they are white beans in the sky. They never understood what I told them about the stars, but the truths of the Lord they seem to understand well. Whenever you come in contact with feeble-minded people, please tell them that Jesus loves them. They often understand God's love better than people who have problems because of their intellectual doubt. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1, 20 and 21, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made the foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Some are forgotten. Father shared my concern, my outreach for the debilitated and the disturbed. Once he heard from a servant girl about a woman in a mental hospital who never received a visit from anyone. Father, Betsy and I prayed for this woman, and then I made a trip to the hospital. It took me some hours to go there, and when I finally found the woman, I discovered she was clear in thinking, although a bit mentally disturbed. Also, her body was sick, and she couldn't leave her bed. May I introduce myself? I'm Corey Tinboom. I've come to visit you, I said. She looked up at me with tears of joy in her eyes. Did God send you? Yes, I'm sure he did. And I'm glad, too, because I'd like to be your friend. Will you? Oh, yes, she said eagerly. Will you please visit me sometimes? Can you tell me about Jesus? I thought for a moment. 
How much did this woman know? What Bible story could help her? I prayed for inspiration and then told her about the Good Shepherd who brought the lost sheep home. We became real friends. In spite of being such an unequal combination, there I was, a healthy, normal girl, and she was an older woman with a confused mind. I truly believe the Lord brought us together. Often in the midst of a very busy workday with the watch repairs stacked on the counter waiting to be done, Father would say to me, Why don't you visit Alita today? She's coming into my mind. Perhaps she's lonely. Dear Papa, it meant more work for him because a visit to this friend of mine took at least four hours of the day. On one visit, we talked at some length about heaven. Two days later, the nurse at the hospital called me on the phone. Alita has died suddenly. Can you give me the address of her relatives? I know that tears came to my eyes, but I could thank the Lord that she was now with him in the beautiful heaven we'd so recently talked about. I'm sorry, I told the nurse. I don't know anything about Alita's relatives. But you were such a close friend, she replied. I asked her once if she had sisters or brothers, and she told me years ago that they had brought her to the hospital. She had never heard from them again, and she didn't know if they were alive, and if so, where they lived. Father said that evening, Corey, I believe that this friendship and the time you gave that poor woman has shown God's loving kindness for the despised and lost more than any other work you have done. Just a boy named Hink. Hink was a boy who was a member of my Bible class for the mentally handicapped. He came from a family with 11 children, and it was difficult for his poor, tired mother to give him much attention. It was from this simple little boy that I saw again how the Holy Spirit reveals himself in such a marvelous way to low IQ people. Once I visited Hink at home, and his mother received me with such a thankful manner. Hink talks so much about the stories you tell him in his Bible class. He never remembers anything about any other class. But when he comes from your class, he talks to his brothers and sisters about it. Is Hink at home? He's in his room upstairs, in the corner of the attic. He's there most of the time. He's really my easiest boy. I know he'll never become a professor or anything important, but he does work for a salary. He's in a government workshop where he makes clothespins the whole day. Dear Hink, he's so satisfied. But when he's at home, the house is so full of noise that he goes to his attic room. I went upstairs and found Hink on his knees in front of a chair. Before him was a dirty old picture of Jesus on the cross. I stopped at the door to listen, for Hink was singing. His voice was soft and hoarse. Out of my bondage, sorrow and night, Jesus, I come, Jesus, I come. Into thy freedom, gladness and light, Jesus, I come to thee. Out of the depths of ruin untold, into the peace of thy sheltering fold. Ever thy glorious face to behold, Jesus, I come to thee. I have heard Bach played by Schweitzer, anthems sung by gigantic choirs, but at that moment I felt as if I were in a cathedral with angels surrounding me. I tiptoed back downstairs without disturbing him, praising God again for the love he brings into the lives of even the least of these. Sometime later, I heard that Hink's mother had gone into the attic room and found him before the chair with a picture of Jesus in his hand. Hink was home with the Lord. When I heard about his death, I wondered if he had been singing, Jesus, I come to thee, at that last moment. Thirty years later, it was after World War II and I was working in East Germany teaching the gospel in a huge cathedral. 
I went into a counseling area to talk with people individually. There were many more who needed help waiting outside in another room. I heard a very noisy discussion. Everyone seemed to be talking too loudly at the same time. Suddenly, everything grew quiet, and I heard a very unusual, tender, beautiful voice singing. It was Hank's hymn in German. Out of my bondage, sorrow and night, Jesus I come. I opened the door into the room where the inquirers were waiting and saw a child of about 14 years of age. Her face was like an angel, and there was something so moving about her that many in the room were crying. The girl's mother stood beside her and held her hand. When they came into the inquiry room, I found out that the girl's name was Elsa, and I realized immediately that she was not a normal child. Where did you learn that song, Elsa? I asked her gently. In prison. A man taught it to me, and I sang it every day. Why was Elsa in prison, I asked her mother. My husband is a communist. Elsa is mentally retarded. She loves the Lord Jesus and speaks about him frequently, but her father is an atheist and a leader in his party. So he had no difficulty putting Elsa in prison. A short while ago, we got her out. It was so terribly cold in that jail that the guards themselves helped me get Elsa out. They heard and enjoyed her singing, and Elsa was always ready to tell them about her Lord. My lips quivered as I held Elsa's hand, and I remembered so many things. The Bible studies in Holland, Hank in his attic room, and what Father had often said to me, Corey, what you do among these people is of little importance in the eyes of God, but I am sure in God's eyes it is the most valuable work of all. Well, that was the end of this uh, chapter, and I know it was a short chapter, but it was a very powerful chapter, and I pray that you would take the time to uh, be still and, and see the work that God does in the least of these and uh, just how we respond to these very exceptional uh, children and people. They are precious in God's eyes and creations of Him and made in the image of God, uh, no matter what their intelligence is. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless uh, our time with these uh, exceptional people and again thank you for listening well next week is going to be uh, chapter 15 leaders and blunders that should be an interesting chapter to read but until then i love you i'm praying for you and bye bye for now